we are, as, as Hallie suggested, uh, in a, a sermon series right now, talked about lesson, talking about lessons lost. And the, the origin of this was looking around the culture, looking around the communities, our nation. It seems to be the truth that some of the things we were taught about how to uh, act and live might be not being passed on or lived out. And so we've talked about a number of things that we feel are important to raise up as a Christian community for us to reclaim these truths and live them out as a witness. Today we're going to be talking about joy, about holy joy as a reality of the power of the witness of the experience of Christ. So as Luke comes up to read the scripture to you, which comes from Galatians, you're going to hear this scripture reflect um, as Galatians is, a sort of a directional letter to the early church about how you walk the walk. And it begins by talking about the things we're called to stay away from, but not just to be a message of this is what you can't do, but rather you stay away from these things so you can do these things. Listen. Live by the Spirit, I say, and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For what the flesh desires is opposed to the spirit, and what the spirit desires is opposed to the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to prevent you from doing what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not subject to the law. Now, the works of the flesh are obvious. Fornication impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. I am warning you as I warned you before. Those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is Love, joy, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Luke. Would you join with me in prayer? Holy and loving God, we ask that it is indeed your spirit that would flow through us and around us that it is your presence here in this place, surely as we experience it in sacrament, but also in relationship, in reflection, discernment. We pray that as we put ourselves into your presence, Lord, it is our lives that are opened up to receive these amazing gifts you offer, to bless us, heal us, comfort us, forgive us, renew us, and build us up. We pray this and trust it's possible. In fact, know that it's true because of the promise and faithfulness of you in your word. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. So during Vacation Bible School Week, the kids would come in and be here along with all the volunteers. And, and we would begin with uh, a storytelling, a little bit of a skit, giving the lesson of the day. And then, of course, songs. And the songs were high energy, and kids were dancing literally in the pews, back and forth. It was truly a room that looked very different than this looks right now. 
because you don't look like you're ready to dance at all. But they came ready to dance. They came ready to throw themselves into the experience. And watching that reminded me of experiences I've had in the past, both at vacation Bible schools, but also at camps I've been a part of, either as a camper or as a dean or leader. Uh, in fact, this week, we have a number of our staff up at Lake Louise uh, at a choir camp. So I know they're singing all the camp songs and songs of faith and having a great time. And those songs, once you know them, once you hear them, we made a part of who you are. We were having a conversation between worship services, and Megan was talking about the fact that she still remembers um, some of the songs that she listened to uh, as a child in vacation Bible school. And I expect you have some of that experiences, too. You, you know, some of those songs, like, do you remember a, few, a couple years ago I led you in going on a bear hunt? Maybe some of you remember that. Some of you have graciously forgotten that, so that's probably a good thing. Um, you know, there are all those kinds of songs that have, you got to have some energy to that. You know, there are the demonic songs like Head, Shoulders, Knees, and Toes. Whoever came up with that one? That's just a cruel, cruel song, particularly right before breakfast. It's hard, you know, it's, it's not good. But, you know, there are other songs that when you sing them, they immediately take you from where you are to at least the next step. My guess is you know this one. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Where? I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart to stay. And I'm so happy, so very happy. I have the love of Jesus in my heart, down in my heart. And I'm so happy, so very happy. I've got the love of Jesus in my heart. Oh, gosh, you're so good, campers. Good job. I mean, you can't sing that song and stay grumpy. Well, there are a couple of you who are pulling it off, but most of you can't do that. And I love that song. I love leading it when I was at camp. And, and there's always a chance to sort of pick the energy of the room up in the group. But it's also confusing. Because for me, the difference between joy and being happy, well, they're not the same thing, Right? And in our culture today, it seems like our focus is on making people happy. Listen to parents talk about the kids. What do they say? I want my children to be happy. Listen to people talk about their own quest for their lives. I want to be happy. I want to go to the places where I'm happy. I don't want to be unhappy. And that understanding and practice of focusing so much on happiness puts us at peril. Because happiness is dependent about things that are external to us. Well, what makes you happy? You can begin to list that. We all have our own individual lists, right? But as we make up those lists, we recognize that those lists are outside of ourselves. They're lists that talk about things that Certain conditions have to be occurring. Certain people have to be with us or not with us. We have to be in certain places and doing certain things, and that's what makes us happy. The reality is, happiness like that is not lasting. Those external realities can fade away. They're temporal. And if we get really passionate about that thing which makes us happy, those things that make us happy 
then we begin to yearn after them, strive after them, sometimes, not always, but sometimes in a way that can derail our lives. I want you to think about the list that Luke just read to you a few minutes ago. If there's a part of my being that needs this external reality to be happy, it can lead me to the place where I live out uh, this listing of fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. They're oftentimes, all of these behaviors are the kind of behaviors because people are seeking to be happy, and they think those kinds of behaviors is what makes them happy, so they quest after it. Do you understand what I'm saying? And then the scripture says this word, it says, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And people who are casual scriptural readers will think, oh, so this is the place, you do those things, you're out, you're damned to hell. It's not really what it's saying. It's saying if you're doing those things, you cannot receive what it is to be in the kingdom of God. You're closing yourself off to something that's deeper than happiness. You're closing yourself off to joy. Because joy is not external. I want to make another point about happiness before I go on. and I I sort of lost my place. I want you to hear this. Someone once said that there are five surefire top five components of happiness. I want you to listen to this list. Be in possession of the basics. Things like food and shelter and good health and safety. You think those are important to happiness? That makes sense, right? Getting enough sleep. A sleep-deprived culture will tell us that we need more sleep to be happy. Have relationships that matter to you. You know the difference around being around a group of people you're not connected with and being with people who you have a deep relationship with affects your happiness. Taking compassionate care of others and of yourself, experiencing that in your relationship can make you happy, right? And having work or interest that engages you. Having something that matters. I get up in the morning excited about this. All of those are important for happiness. But what happens when they go away? Not everyone in the world has food, shelter, good health, and safety. Are those people void of being happy? Well, yeah, I can be miserable, quite frankly. Particularly if I don't have those basics. You already know about what happens to you when you don't get enough sleep. Some of you need your nap time today. Pastor Rick said you can take a nap today. Tell people that. Okay, if you remember nothing else from this sermon, you all get a nap today. Have relationships that matter to you rather than simply surrounding yourself with people that don't really matter. But what about those relationships that matter to you? What happens when they go away? When friends leave, when loved ones die. What about having work or interest that engages you? I love my work on most days. I love my work. What happens when I no longer have this work to do? I love being in the river fishing with Hal. But what will happen to us when the day comes when it's not safe for us to be in the river? Happiness can go away. The truth is, we set ourselves up, we set our children up, we set the generations up, we set this culture up because we have sold ourselves a bill of goods thinking that our quest is to be happy. It is not. 
It's not that God isn't thrilled when you are happy. Of course that's true. But God leads us to experience joy. And that's different. Joy, as I've already said, is internal. Joy is not predicated on what's going on around me. It's about what is true within me. Joy is eternal. If what makes me joyful is not outside of me, but I carry with me everywhere I go, it, in some ways, doesn't matter what's going on around me. I'm able to find my joy. Joy feeds me. I don't have to quest after it because I already have it. And it brings peace. In fact, I would suggest to you it brings that entire list of good things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what joy gives you. There are not five, but there are two things you have to have in your life to experience that kind of joy. Know Jesus. I don't mean become aware of him. I don't mean know where to look it up in the Bible. I mean have a relationship with him. I mean receive Jesus. I mean carry Jesus with you on a regular basis. As that relationship is unique to you. When you have the presence of Christ with you in all that you do, wherever you are, that is a presence and a power that no matter what else is going around you can bring you joy. That's why the scripture says in Romans 5 that we can even rejoice in our sufferings. Not that we are so glad to be suffering, but rather even in the face of suffering, we can experience the power and peace and joy that comes from the Christ that will not abandon us in our sufferings. And when you do experience those moments, and we all will, We have the opportunity to walk into those moments knowing the God who was with us in the moments of the deepest joys of our life is with us in the midst of the suffering, and that joy remains steadfast. Know Jesus, and the second thing is then receive the gifts of Christ. Don't quest after it, receive it. For us to know joy, we don't have to somehow create our joy. We simply have to receive it. Love Christ, give it to you. Let me tell you how I see that sometimes getting mixed up. We're going to take communion in a few minutes. And you're going to come forward in one way or other, whether you're able to come forward physically or not. You know, you come forward to receive communion in some form or fashion. And oftentimes people think they have to think about, what am I bringing to the table? In fact, so much so, I've known people who've said, I've been living a life that's pretty miserable. It's pretty lousy pretty broken, and I'm not worthy to come forward to the table because I don't have anything to bring. And that's how far we've messed up what this is about. The communion is not about what you can bring. It's about receiving what Jesus has given you. The table is already set. You don't have to bring a side dish. Just come forward and receive what is given to you, which is what? Unconditional love washing all around you and filling you up inside such that it will never leave you. And just like we say the waters of baptism cannot be wiped off you, I'm here to tell you the communion that you receive can never simply pass through you. It remains in you forever. And the Jesus who meets you here will be the Jesus who walks out with you. When you understand that, Joy begins to occur. 
And we as Christians have to make the choice about what we're willing to understand and invest in. Are you willing to focus on Christ and receive his gifts and let that guide you? Or are you going to focus on the things that are less than perfect and let that destroy your happiness and joy? I know people in my life, I know moments in my own life, where I've become distracted by all kinds of things. And when I focus on them, I choose to get upset. I lose my happiness. And then the longer I focus on that, I move from being unhappy to being upset. And then I can become angry. And then I become worse. Do you know what I mean? Anybody else ever done that? It doesn't mean that that stuff out there isn't real and it might need to even be addressed, certainly. But if I quit giving my attention and focus to this thing out here and rather focus on the Christ that is within me, then I present myself to whatever this issue is, not letting this drive my agenda or my emotions, but rather allowing the presence of Christ within me to bring me joy. Am I making sense to you? So... I'm inviting you this week to quit pursuing your happiness. It's okay to be happy. Be happy. But focus on joy that will fill up your life, that will stay with you forever and connect. I want to give you just a little bit of one more story of a lesson around this. So we were um, on family vacation a couple weeks ago. And I mean the whole family, daughters and son-in-laws and four grandkids, Laura and I, in, in one house. It was joyful. I mean, it really was. I mean, listen, let me explain to you. It was a great week, and we all got along, you know. I mean, the kids fought once in a while like kids are supposed to, right? But the, it was great. And we're sitting there on the ocean, at the Atlantic Ocean at Carolina Beach. I mean, literally, you walk out the front door, and there's the ocean. Well, that's not true. There's the ocean, and between us and the ocean was a swimming pool. It was a rough week. <laughs> so let me share with you my interest that I had one afternoon when I came, I'd gone back in the house or something, and I was coming back out, and I came out, and everyone else would come in too, you know, right after lunch, you know, get our... And I walked in the living room, and there were four grandchildren, two daughters, and two son-in-laws, each of them on their own screen. Tablets or phones doing this. The ocean is right there. The pool is right there, and they're doing this. I mean, the room was quiet. Now listen to me. Let me say this to you who have young children. I get why once in a while you've got to give them screens. Here, be quiet. I get it, okay? But what happens when they're on your screens? All real relationship ends. Conversation stops. Now I get virtual community and all that stuff. But guess what? When you want to really play with somebody or cry with somebody, virtual community ain't worth it. And you and I, who are at the places where we know what life can be like, when we're grieving, when we're hurting, when we're broken, virtual community is not what we need. We need someone to come sit with us, love us, pray with us, hold our hand. I'm not judging my family. I'm not an anti-screen guy. I think screens are important. You see me lead worship from a screen. That's not the point. The point is this. I get to choose each day how much I invest in the people around me in real conversation, eye to eye, and in love. I get to decide what I want to focus on in my world about what's going to fill me up or what's going to detract from my joy. 
If I want to be able to say, and I have the joy, 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 joy in my heart, then I have this opportunity right now to take the step towards making sure that's possible. We're going to come to Holy Communion. You don't have to bring a thing. Just come and receive. Because that's how Jesus always intended for us to have joy. To receive this gift of unconditional love. To know that there will be no circumstance, no situation external to you ever again that's bigger than the joy that is within you. And to choose to invest in the things that that joy leads you to. Like holy relationships, holy actions, holy truth. Our world has been sold a bill of goods that when you leave here, your quest is to be happy. I hope you are happy. But your quest, the invitation, is right now for you to receive joy. Hands down. A far better deal. So be joyful in the Lord. Come and receive. And be blessed. And then, give joy to those who don't even know what it means.